Is Cameron Dantzler good? Should he replace Bashad Breland? Should Christian Derrissaw replace Rashad Hill? What else can Clint Kubiak do to help the offensive line? There's all these burning questions that I looked into the tape and I can answer for you here today on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for coming to Locked On Vikings podcast, making me your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today on the show, we are delving into the all 22 tape from Vikings Browns. This is the last we'll talk about it, but we'll also talk a little bit about kind of how things need to go moving forward. i to take that angle on it because I know we don't want to really stew in that one for too much longer than we have to, do we? But for now, uh, we'll take a look at all of the burning questions that come out of that game. Should Dantzler start? Should Christian Derrissaw come in and, and replace Hiller? How close are we to benching Rashad Hill? How close are we to benching someone like Oli Uda or Ezra Cleveland? How did Kirk Cousins actually do? All sorts of questions like that. So we'll get into all of that. First things first, though, we got a little bit of news to head into. So uh, I guess we'll start there. And I think the biggest piece of news that came out on Tuesday was that Michael Pierce, according to Ben Gessling, Michael Pierce will be out for, quote, a while with the elbow injury that he was nursing. He was questionable going into the Browns game with an elbow injury. He, he tried to play through it. It didn't work. He either worsened it or re-aggravated it, or they just found out that it was worse than they thought. So he's out for a while with that elbow. So, whoops, <laughs> probably might not have wanted to play him. And it's weird. It's it's a very weird situation. And look, far be it from me to, to criticize uh, the health and safety decisions of an organization when I have probably 10% of the information that they have, right? Whatever Eric Sugarman did, he thought it was the best call, right? And he has way more info. So you kind of just have to defer to that. But let's think about this a little bit. A, they had uh, taken Michael Pierce in for an MRI before that game. They had not gotten the results of that MRI back, which I find kind of weird that that took like days, but I don't know, whatever. I guess it's a process. But they played him without knowing the results of the MRI, and then the injury got aggravated. It feels a little reckless. Again, I don't have all the info. Michael Pierce tells you, no, 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 I totally feel fine. It's totally fine. And you probably downplay it. Um, and maybe, you know, how he felt, it's the kind of injury that he could have felt fine, but it could have been aggravated or whatever. Um, I don't know. Feels a little reckless, but it also feels kind of weird to, like, criticize that. So I guess I'll just throw my hands up and say, ah, well, easy to say that in hindsight. Wish things were different and we're going to miss Michael Pierce. We're really going to miss Michael Pierce. They did bring in a practice squad defensive tackle to uh, replace Wap Fillier, who was cut last week from or earlier in the week from uh, the, the practice squad. TJ Smith is that guy's name. He tried out for the Chargers uh, as an undrafted free agent in 2020. I don't know where else he's played, uh, but he's now a practice squad defensive tackle. And this also means uh, more opportunities for James Lynch, who's been a healthy scratch in, I think, every game. So we'll see if he gets some opportunities at defensive tackle. That is not particularly inspiring to me. He was pretty bad when he got in last year. And while I thought he was a little better in the preseason and Mike Zimmer praised him in the preseason, I didn't think he was better to the degree that I like feel good about him as depth yet. So I don't know, a lot to prove, at least to me. Um, so that was the one 
piece. We'll see if Pierce ends up on IR, if they open up a roster spot or try to get somebody else in or anything like that. But I also just think, you know, shoring up their defensive tackle depth is okay because their defensive tackle depth has been mightily struggling. Uh, Also, we've got more COVID-19 issues in the cornerback room. So uh, earlier in the week, Cameron Dantzler was placed on COVID-19 IR. He tested positive. He tweeted out, I recorded yesterday's episode before I saw that tweet, he tweeted out that uh, he is vaccinated, so he shouldn't be out for long. I believe the minimum that he, like the most, or the, the he has to stay out at least 48 hours if he is perfectly asymptomatic. It's not guaranteed that he would be asymptomatic. Breakthrough cases can still have symptoms. He still gets sick and everything like that. Um, you know, just not as severe, but it, hopefully that means, you know, he's over it that much faster. Uh, but once he, he is asymptomatic, I think 48 hours uh, and two consecutive negative tests is the cutoff. So there is still absolutely a shot that Cam Dantzler plays against Detroit. And if not, it's extremely likely that he plays against Carolina in the next game. Harrison Hand is the new guy on the COVID-19 IR list. Harrison Hand, who also has been dealing with an injury anyway, so I don't know if he would have been available anyways. I am pretty sure... Harrison Hand is unvaccinated. He has in, in like behind the scenes videos or uh, VEN Vikings Entertainment Network videos. He's got the little red wristband uh, and he wears a mask throughout the facility. Those are two telltale signs. I think that he's unvaccinated. That's not like official word or anything. That's just my sleuthing. Um, but that changes the way that things work for him. He has to stay if he even if he was just a close contact, but I'm pretty sure he was positive. Uh, I think I saw that somewhere, but even if it was just a a close contact, he would have to stay out for a minimum five days, just like Kirk Cousins and uh, Nate Stanley and uh, Kellen Mond had to when that that whole thing happened in the preseason. So at least five days. So Harrison Hand probably will not be able to play in the uh, in the game against Detroit if he were healthy. And I don't know if he might have had to stay out anyway. So maybe the timing is I I guess it's nice that things double up. (laughs) Uh, So. There's that, but there's also, um, it's like a, two days or something like that after symptoms subside and all that. So the, the things are a lot stricter on Harrison Hand, and he is more likely to miss two games with this. But it's still not like perfectly likely, uh, but still definitely possible. And if he is symptomatic, and if you're unvaccinated, those things are going to last longer. Um, he's that much more likely to miss extended time. So we might not see Harrison Hand until after the bye in like the worst of worst case scenarios, um, but still a reasonable chance that he would be eligible to play against Carolina, assuming that he is also healthy. But hey, that's enough of that. Let's talk about the All-22. I want to share some thoughts on DJ Wanham, on Cameron Dantzler, on, of course, Rashad Hill, on Oli Udo, Ezra Cleveland, uh, Kirk Cousins, everybody. I've got all kinds of thoughts to share, and I want to rapid fire through all of them with you. But first, if you drive a lot, I want to help you save on gas because that expense can really pile up, especially if you have like a long commute to work or if you just do something that, you know, makes you drive a lot. You know, you go back and forth between, uh, you know, two places, got to drive across town for something a lot. Gas prices add up. But I have a way to save 25 cents a gallon for you. That is the Get Upside app. Get Upside is a free app that lets you save up to 25 cents per gallon at the pump. Add all that up over like a month if you drive a lot. That's like two, three hundred bucks a month. That is not insignificant money. And you can cash out whenever and however you want. Just have them deposited into your bank account. You can do PayPal or an Amazon gift card if you rather, any other number of ways. 
If you just go to the Google Play or iTunes app store and get the Get Upside app, it is a free app and you can use promo code TOUCHDOWN to give you 25 cents more off of your first tank. That's 50 cents per gallon on your first tank just for going to the Get Upside app, downloading it for free, and when you set it up, use promo code TOUCHDOWN and start saving. Again, that is a free app on iTunes or Google Play. Promo code TOUCHDOWN for 50 cents off of your first tank with the Get Upside app. So let's start with the defense today, and I'll just go from the front to the back here. So let us let me start with some thoughts on the defensive line from watching the All-22 and the tape and things that kind of jumped out at me. And some of my takes from uh, the end of the game Sunday have definitely changed here from watching the tape, some things that revealed themselves to me, I guess. So on the D-line, Daniel Hunter was Daniel Hunter. He is kind of the only pass rusher except for Everson Griffin, and Everson Griffin is absolutely the second best defensive end on the team, and it is not close. Steven Weatherly is kind of just there. Um, I I haven't noticed him making a ton of mistakes. I feel like he's just had a lot of assignments that just don't come up, which is just sort of how it goes sometimes. Every run goes away from you. Um, DJ Wanham is awful. He's so bad. He got washed out uh, by a tight end more than once. Um, he can't hold his spot in the run. His pass rush is completely anemic. I don't know what he really does. I don't really know why he's on the team, why he's on the on the field. Um, I would much rather give somebody like Patrick Jones some run because DJ Wanham isn't doing anything. Uh, he It's really bad. And Sheldon Richardson also struggled a lot versus the run. He had really, really good pass rush moments, but he struggled a lot versus the run. Um, and really just the backup interior is really, really struggling. He says, as Michael Pierce goes out for a long time with an elbow injury. So that's kind of a rough situation. Um, but Everson Griffin, I think is the bright spot here. Um, I, you just get him in for as many snaps as he can and, and you have to keep him on a pitch count because he's going to get gassed by the end of the year if you don't. So you have to, you know, do, Play him as much as you can to squeeze every single ounce of football you can out of him. Um, but if you try to play him, you know, every single play of every game, he's going to get hurt. He's going to start getting tired. And you're not going to have him later in the season. So do what you can with Everson Griffin, but you have to get him as much run as you possibly can because he's absolutely balling. When he's on the field, he looks like his old self. The only thing I feel like that's not like his old self is that he can't be on the field for every play anymore. Uh, in terms of the linebackers, tough scene. It was really, really tough on these linebackers. Uh, Eric Kendricks, not his best day. He missed tackles. He had a tough time shedding blocks. Um, Blake Lynch had some playmaking in him. He made a couple of really good plays. You might remember them uh, if you caught the game. Um, but he also had some mistakes in coverage. He really, really struggled to hold hold his spot in the run. You might notice that I've said that about a few people now. Richardson, Wanham, now Blake Lynch, really struggled to hold their spot in the, in the run. Um, I didn't mention Dalvin Tomlinson. I totally skipped over Dalvin Tomlinson in the D-line. Dalvin Tomlinson was great. He was fantastic. And he might move to nose tackle now with Michael Pierce out. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with that, actually. Um, so Dalvin Tomlinson was great. And Blake Lynch was up and down, I would say. He made plays for sure. Um, he had a couple of great plays in coverage. He he rallied. He made tackles. I thought he tackled very well, actually. Uh, he even stacked and shed an offensive line, an offensive lineman once, which is like totally not him. But he got like washed out by offensive lineman like five other times. So it's not like that's a trait he has now. But hey, good rep. Uh, Nick Vigil was the worst of them. He was terrible. Uh, he got washed out in the run. Another guy hold, struggling to hold his spot in the run game. Um, he, I, I think he was very slow to read and react things, which he's been quicker in the past. I think the Browns do a lot of pulling and shuff, shuffling and shifting and stuff. And I think it really froze Nick Vigil. Um, and he just got washed out a lot. 
a lot of the bad run plays, including the third and 20, I'm pinning on Nick Vigil, the third and 20 run uh, that converted and turned into a halftime field goal. I'm pinning that on Nick Vigil. Um, He basically got tricked by Kareem Hunt taking a really good jab step outside, and it made Nick Vigil flow directly into the path of an offensive lineman who then easily sealed him off. And that was basically the difference between a 15-yard gain in a punt and a 25-yard gain in a field goal attempt. So it was really bad. I We miss Barr so much, and I, who knows if Barr will be the same guy. He hasn't played you know, in two years. Um, but if he can come back into against Detroit, like Mike Zimmer said, God, we want that. It's so bad. <laughs> I really miss Anthony Barr. The secondary, uh, the safeties did really well filling versus the run, but I mostly want to talk about the cornerbacks, um, especially Patrick Peterson and Cam Dantzler. So let's start with Peterson. Um, so on Patrick Peterson's podcast, he mentioned that he's very good in quarters. Like he said like, the, uh, cover four quarters, um, is like he's really comfortable in that and I definitely see what he's talking about so I kind of put it in my head but every time they're in cover four it seems like he's doing a really really good job and and the way the Vikings play cover four is with man coverage techniques so he is man covering Odell Beckham down the sideline like this is not a an easy assignment but he can pass some of that stuff off inside if it breaks inside it's not true zone where you're just kind of watching the quarterback and the matchup doesn't really matter um, you know, he's got to cover that guy man to man, but he doesn't have to cover every single thing like true man. It's man to man, but just a little easier. And I, and I think that's perfect for Patrick Peterson. I think this is what he meant when he said, you know, I can be me uh, when he was talking about all that stuff. And it's definitely different than what he did in Arizona, where they would have him kind of follow everything all the way across the field and shadow people and kind of play like this true shutdown Darrell Rivas type. Um, and that's just not who he is anymore. And, and the Vikings seem to kind of understand that. Um he did have a couple of blemishes. I thought there were a couple plays that he gave up, but overall, pretty good day. And and I think it's safe to say Patrick Peterson's like obviously the best corner because the other guys, you know, Bashad Breeland, who's been terrible, and Cameron Dantzler, who we should talk about. I'm going to call it ups and downs. I'm going to say he had about as good of a game as Blake Lynch did. Uh, he did reasonably, I thought, versus deep patterns. You know, anytime somebody just tried to run a go route on him or tried to run, you know, a deep post or something, I thought he followed that pretty well. I thought he was pretty sticky in those man coverage situations. The Vikings didn't, they they kind of helped him with some safety stuff, but they left it on him on an island a lot more than I expected to see. Uh, and they did it more than they do with Bashad Breland. So I have no idea why Breland's playing over Cameron Dantzler. It seems like they're more comfortable giving him harder assignments. Uh, and to me, that's like the biggest referendum of like what the coaches think, right? Uh, but I don't know. He still had a miscommunication, the two-point conversion um, that happened after that whole extra point fiasco. Um, I didn't talk about it in the game recap. If you missed it, um, basically on the extra point after the only touchdown the Vi- or the Browns scored, Um, they had a substitution problem. They had 12 men on the field. So somebody was rushing to get off. He wasn't going to get off the field in time. I think it was Armin Watts. So Sheldon Richardson called a timeout. Um, they didn't have any timeouts left, so it was a penalty, but it was going to be a five yard penalty either way. It was just kind of this stupid substitution debacle moves the play up one yard, uh, for, from, you know, from the two to one for, for a two point conversion, Kevin Stefanski goes for it. And on that play, it was a little leaking. I think it was a fullback working across the formation in like jet motion. He was motioning across the formation. Xavier Woods passes that off to Cameron Dantzler. Cameron Dantzler does not get the message. He doesn't follow it. And the guy's wide open. It's an easy pitch pitch and catch uh, wide open on the goal line. You just can't make that kind of mistake. So if that's the kind of mistake that's been happening, yeah, 
Dantzler did get beat a couple times uh, by Odell Beckham. One of them was the one that hit him in the back. Like, he was totally beat on that play, and it was just an underthrow, and there was another one that, you know, it, uh, Baker Mayfield didn't didn't cash in on. So a little bit lucky, like, stats-wise, but I don't know. I thought he acquitted himself reasonably, and importantly, I thought he looked better than Bashad Breeland. It's not a high bar, but it's the bar we have right now. So if Cameron Dantzler is healthy enough to play on Sunday against Detroit, if I were the coach, I'd put him in. Uh, if I were in the room, you know, that's what I'd be advocating for. I'm curious to see what the Vikings will do. But I want to talk about offensive line and the offense in general. I want to talk about Clint Kubiak adjustments, all that stuff. But first, I want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Have you ever been, you know, late night craving a candy bar, craving a, a an almond joy or something or chocolate peanut butter, but you can't have it? Maybe you're trying to lose or maintain weight. Maybe you're on keto. Built Bar is the answer for you. Built Bar is high in fiber, high in protein, low in sugar, low carb, low calorie, and it's delicious, all covered in 100% chocolate in the flavors I've mentioned in addition to chocolate mint, chocolate raspberry, cookies and cream, chocolate cherry, all sorts of delicious stuff. So head on over to built.com. There are also some uh, limited edition flavors that come on the website every once in a while as well. Go to built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. And of course, as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for pro and college football grambling action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, contests, all sorts of stuff. I've started playing with the prop maker. It is so much fun. I have so much more fun betting on like, will this guy get this many carries or catches? You basically play, you know, put money on your fantasy football takes and not have to do the daily fantasy thing. It's so much fun. Uh, It really helps me have like a stake in primetime games like, you know, Bengals, Jags that I otherwise wouldn't care about. So head to the website and use your mobile or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It means if you put in a thousand bucks on your first deposit, BetOnline will slap 500 more on top of it. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive that bonus. That promo code has changed from uh, previous times that we have done this with BetOnline online it is now promo code locked on to receive that bonus from football basketball boxing right down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts okay so let's talk about adjustments first some quick thoughts on the offense on the offense in general but i'm going to talk mostly about offensive line here because it's what the people want (laughs) but overall offensive thoughts so i came out of watching the tape a little bit more sympathetic to Kirk than it was uh, at the end of the game. I thought there were some things that I noticed that were a little more understandable. You know, the, there were not really guys open downfield. A lot of times there are. There was the one play to KJ Osborne that I was super irate about on Monday. Could um, <laughs> Check that out. Uh, I'm still mad about that one. But that didn't really reflect the rest of his game. They just had a lot of trouble getting open. And to that uh, to that effect, yeah, Thielen struggled, especially. I thought Justin Jefferson was okay. Conklin struggled. Thielen struggled. Uh, KJ Osborne was, like, fine, but not, like, great. Um, and I think, like, Justin Jefferson was the only, like, truly reliable receiver they had in this game, which is a, a, a bummer. Like, Justin Jefferson beat Denzel Ward. And I think, like, that's your litmus test. Like, Denzel Ward is a nuts corner, and Justin Jefferson was the only one to beat him. Um, so there's that, and I was pretty disappointed with uh, the the tight end blocking the skill players and stuff. But let's talk about the blocking and, and the offensive line. So we know Rashad Hill was pretty bad. You probably uh, have that opinion. You're not wrong. Oh, boy. It was so bad. Check my Twitter. There is a video of him getting put on the ground. Not just the pressures or sacks that he gave up, just the times that he was put directly on his butt. 
by Miles Garrett, there's five of those. It's a 21 second highlight reel. And yes, I put the Benny Hill theme under it. Uh, it it's horrible. <laughs> and Oli Udo made a lot of mistakes, um, but he made some better plays. I don't think he was like good, but I don't think he was bad enough to clamor for Wyatt Davis. Like I saw enough out of his game to not want to like bench him or anything. I thought Ezra Cleveland made a number of mistakes. Um, I have an article coming out at zone coverage that sort of explains this, but I think that he was way too easily lured on stunts. And I think the same thing happened to Oli Udo. They were just a little too gullible. Um, they, they, it was very Dakota Dozier. Dakota Dozier is kind of the worst thing he did was be gullible on stunts. And I think our guards did that not to a Dakota Dozier level, but definitely that mistake um, reared its ugly head a few times. Bradbury and O'Neal, they were re within reason, but they weren't good. <laughs> they were just like not jaw-droppingly bad. Rashad Hill, jaw-droppingly bad, like completely untenable. So you're a coach. Your offensive lineman is getting destroyed. What do you do? And the first thing is protection calls. Um, you know, you, you pull the center aside after a drive and you say, hey, left tackle's getting killed. When you can, you've got to slide the protection his way. Give more of a wall, help him be part of double teams more often, you know, help him um, set and stuff. We talked a lot about this last week. I think the biggest thing is when you're part of a protection wall and Bradbury can designate this kind of as he sees fit, um, you can set further outside because any inside rush will hit a wall, will hit, you know, Cleveland, Bradbury, maybe even Udo will all be next to each other over there. So you can set further outside because you know you have help inside. It's not unlike coverage. Um, so you can do that. And the Vikings did that right away. It didn't help. Uh, as for Cleveland, the help that was supposed to come to Rashad Hill was gullible. So he was very easily lured to stay too far to the inside. And then suddenly there was way more space than there was supposed to be. And then you catch Rashad Hill setting too far outside because he thought there would be help. And then, you know, the guy wins inside. Um, that happened. So, all right, you can't just move the protection. It's going to be harder than that. Fair enough. Miles Garrett's elite, right? All right. So let's chip. Well, the chippers whiffed. <laughs> you know, CJ Ham had a chip. He didn't get there. Uh, KJ Osborne had a chip. He didn't do anything because Miles Garrett was doing a Euro step to the inside and he just pushed him faster to the inside. Like it didn't even help. Um, and there was even a play where Tyler Conklin did get a good chip on Miles Garrett and Rashad Hill just set up horribly and got beat anyways. So that didn't help. All right. So no chipping. What about full on extra blockers let's do max protection here let's keep in seven only do three routes but those three routes are Thielen and Jefferson you know guys we should be able to to you know count on to win their route and sure a one of those max protect plays was the interception that went deep to Adam Thielen um, which I would say I thought was Adam Thielen's fault um, he just needs to box out on a deep pass better a pass that deep you're not going to be like placing it on a dime like that's not how that works um, so, and I explained it more on Twitter for more on that, you know, you go check my timeline. Um, but I do think that that one was Thielen's fault more than it was Kirk Cousins's. Um, but that was a max protect play. Didn't work out. Um, you know, there was a max protection play where you had a triple team on Miles Garrett and Rashad Hill still found a way to find the turf on it and give up a sack. Um, you had a lot of, you had a, a, Max protect play, a seven in protection play where Tyler Conklin blew the protection and let an unblocked blitzer come in off the edge and that ruined the, th the throw. So extra blockers didn't work. They tried that. That didn't work. They had plenty of shotgun. They had plenty of play action. I mean, these are all the paces you go through to try to help your blockers and none of it was enough. Rashad Hill still found a way to get killed. So... You got quick game, you have slants, but Thielen lost on the slants. You have screens, the screens got blown up. 
what else do you do? If anybody has any ideas that I didn't mention for how to help a struggling blocker, I am all ears. But the way I see this is, I don't see how you can blame Clint Kubiak for this problem. He did everything a coordinator can do. Short of marching out on the field and blocking Miles Garrett himself, there is nothing more. Your hand will only ever have so many cards. You play them all and you still lose. You just have to take your L, pack it in, go home and prepare for Detroit. And I think that's just what has to happen on this offense. And I, I get really frustrated with the, you know, well, why didn't he make adjustments? There should have been something. You got to do something. They did everything. Every single thing that you can think of to help a blocker. None of it worked. Get your ass kicked less, you tell him. That's all you can do. <laughs> That's it. And I think you just have to bench Rashad Hill when Christian Derrissaw is ready. If Christian Derrissaw isn't ready, if he doesn't know the protections and the calls because he doesn't have the reps and stuff. And, I mean, this was a game littered with problems in chemistry. So you can't say, well, you know, how I'd rather have a problem in chemistry than this. Like, it's the same problem. Um, and it probably would be worse for a rookie that's got, you know, 10 practice reps because he's just now getting back from an injury. Um, so whenever he's ready, we still have to be patient with it. But whenever that happens, Rashad Hill is out. He's just completely untenable. I don't care that Miles Garrett is an elite pass rusher. He is. He goes up against a lot of people. None of them let this happen to him. This was embarrassing. He got embarrassed. And you can't get embarrassed when you got a first round rookie waiting in the wings behind you. When that guy's ready, that guy's going in. If he's not, if he's ready and not in, that's malpractice. But He's just got to be ready. It took Brian O'Neill a while to get ready. It took Justin Jefferson a while to get ready. It's just how it works with rookies. So we, we, as hard as it is to say, we have to be patient. So uh, tomorrow's crossover Thursday. We get to talk to Matt Derry. Always a pleasure to talk to Matt. I can't wait to ask him about what he thinks of this Lions season. <laughs> so we will do all of that and uh, get injury report information and all that stuff to you as well. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Make your second listen to Locked On Bets podcast. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling doing a great job over there getting everybody's gramble straight. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.